0: This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1 this morning, Ephesians chapter 1, and we began A new series last week and introduced the book of Ephesians. If you weren't able to be with us last week, let me encourage you to pick up a CD or go online and listen or watch uh, the message or check out the podcast because uh, we sort of introduced things last week. And this week, we're still kind of putting the furniture in place uh, of the book of Ephesians. And we're actually this morning just going to look at one verse of Scripture. We will pick up the pace as we go through, um, I promise. But today we're still kind of setting that furniture in place. And we're sort of introducing today this first section of Ephesians, which is all about our blessings in Christ. And we're going to talk this morning about blessings you can never lose. Ephesians chapter 1, and let's look at verse 3 this morning. Paul says, "...Blessed be..." the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Father, we thank You for the blessings that are ours in Jesus. We thank You for the fact that we can never lose these blessings and that they are independent of every circumstance that could happen in our lives. And so, Father, today we pray that You would speak to us Through your word, we thank you for the security that we have in you, for the victory that we have in you, the blessings that are ours in Christ. And we pray that you would open our eyes to see them today in a fresher way, a clearer way than perhaps we ever have. And so, Father, we pray that you'd help us to focus, concentrate right now on what what you would say to us in the power of your spirit through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's funny how certain words, certain expressions become popular in our culture and then they just kind of fade away. You know, you turn on a TV program from just a few years ago and you hear people using expressions that we really don't hear today and, and we're using one today that probably will fade as well. Well, a really hot word right now in our culture is the word blessed. Have you noticed that? Like, you hear it all the time now. Athletes after games will talk about being blessed and on social media. You know, the word blessed is one of those popular hashtags on Twitter and you see it on on Facebook and everything. And I've even noticed recently that blessed has kind of made its way into the way that people are greeting one another. How are you doing? I'm blessed. Well, of course, there's nothing wrong with saying it. And in fact, you know, if a word is going to become popular in our culture, I can think of a lot worse words than "bless" to become popular. But I think that, you know, unless someone is a serious Christian, the way that they use blessed is that they're using it to sort of mean, when they say I'm blessed, they're sort of using that to mean, well, life is really good right now. You know, um, life is great right now. Circumstances are wonderful right now. I'm blessed. What if your circumstances are not wonderful? What if you were in prison for preaching the gospel? What if you were living in a city like Ephesus where you were in a tiny minority of Christians and you were being persecuted by the rest of the people, maybe including some of your friends or even some of your own family members, would you still be blessed? Well, Paul, as he opens this book to the Ephesians, says a resounding yes. (laughs) He is blessed despite the fact that he is writing from prison to these people and he says to them You are blessed as followers of Christ, despite your circumstances, despite the fact that you're being persecuted. You are incredibly blessed because you've got blessings that you can never lose. Now, this is wonderful to contemplate that we can have a joy and blessings that go beyond our circumstances that are independent of our circumstances because our circumstances aren't always good. You may be going through a difficult time today. You may be going through a really significant trial or a dark time in your life today. And you need to know that there are blessings that you have in Christ that transcend the circumstances of your life that are, in fact, completely independent of whatever circumstance you may be going through. The great Christian writer C.S. Lewis once said this. He said, Don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. Don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. The blessings that we're talking about today are things that we can never lose. And so Paul begins in this first section of Ephesians as we enter into the body of the letter with just this, this flowing stream of praise to God for His blessings. In fact, verses 3 through 14 in Greek are one sentence, (laughs) one long sentence of 202 words. And it's like Paul is just swept away. It's like he can't even stop to catch his breath because he's so taken away with praising God for the blessings that He has given to us. And so, these first, this opening section of Ephesians, verses 3 through 14, I mean, just, just imagine a, a, a cascade of, of blessings just, just coming down for the believer. This is a picture that I took recently in Israel at En Gedi. This is where David hid from Saul when Saul was trying to take his life. And, and, and En Gedi really is in the, it's in the desert. But you you walk up, you're going through the desert, and then you come upon this beautiful waterfall. Well, just imagine being in a desert, and you're hot, you know, you're thirsty, um, and then you see something like this. You know, and that's the message here. That no matter what our circumstances are, that there is a refreshing waterfall of blessings coming down. And what we're going to do for the next few weeks as we go through this opening part of Ephesians is really kind of put ourselves in the flow of that waterfall and see the blessings that are ours in Christ, blessings that we can never lose. Now, what do we see about them here in this text? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly Places. What do we see here about our blessings? The first thing that we see is that they are in Christ. Our blessings are in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So, in verses 3 through 14, this phrase in Christ or variants of it, sometimes he uses a pronoun in him, in Christ or variants of it, occur 11 times. Just in verses 3 through 14. You know, what a, what a beautiful expression this is to sum up our identity, to say that we are as followers of Christ, that we are in Christ. It speaks to the security of. That we have in him. Doesn't it? We, we heard that earlier. We song, he, he, he hideth my life. In the depths of his love. And, and, and covers us. And, then, and so to say that we are in Christ. Speaks to the security. That is ours. In him. And it also speaks to. The victory. That Christ has won. For us. Now let me explain what I mean by that. Paul says that. We are in Christ as believers. Now, the word Christ is not Jesus' last name, okay? Christ means King. King, Messiah, anointed one. Now, for a first century Jew like the Apostle Paul who is steeped in the Old Testament, what happens to the King happens to his followers. The King represents the people. And so, like, when David defeats Goliath, even though he wasn't uh, wasn't king at that point, he'd already been anointed as king. He was going to be king. Um, He was the anointed one. So, when David defeats Goliath, was it just David's victory? No! It was Israel's victory. David represented the people. And see, Christ, our king, represents us. And what that means is... His victory is our victory. And He's already defeated the greatest enemies of all, sin and death. Christ has already defeated sin by taking sin upon Himself on the cross and and paying the penalty for it. 1 Peter 2 and verse 24 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed. And so the crushing weight of our sin debt, which we could never pay, has been paid by Jesus. He bore our sins. He paid our debt. Colossians 2. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him. Christ has conquered death. And those who are in, if we're in Christ, death has been conquered for us. He's having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in death. Him. We do have victory in Jesus. And what a difference this should make in our everyday lives. Listen, when the enemy tempts you, when he tries to oppress you and discourage you, please remind him what a loser he is. That Christ has won. You know, when you go through times of trial, understand it's temporary. It is not going to last because Jesus has already won the victory. The enemy's doom has been sealed and his, and, and, and one day the, the destruction of evil is going to come. We know how this ends. Sometimes if I'm watching a, a game, uh, I'll, I'll record it so I don't have to watch commercials or whatever. And, you know, if, If my team, if I know that my team won, believe me, I'll watch it in a totally different way. In fact, if my team didn't win, I don't watch it at all. Okay? But if they did win, I watch it, and believe me, I watch it with a totally, in a totally different way um, than I I would. If my team has a a setback, you know what? I don't worry about that at all. I know that they're going to win in the end. In fact, the temporary setbacks even make the victory all the more sweeter. Okay? And that's the way it is for us. You know, when we go through trials, tribulation, understand, understand, this is not going to last. Christ has won the victory. My king has triumphed, and I am in my king. I am in Christ. And and it's not going to, to last. And you know, and, and, and with the, the church, we always need to understand um, that you know, Jesus says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we know the outcome for our lives and for the church. Christ has is victorious. We're in Him. His victory is ours. So, our blessings, first of all, are in Christ. Second, they are spiritual. They're spiritual. Verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual Blessing. In the heavenly places. Now, this is not to say that God doesn't give material blessings. Because He certainly does. And many passages talk about that. But you know what? The material blessings that He gives really don't mean anything apart from the deeper blessings. Which are the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. In the film Moneyball, Brad Pitt plays the role of Billy Bean, who is the general manager for baseball's Oakland A's. And Billy uh, is a uh, divorced father. He has a 12-year-old daughter who lives very close to him in California. And this father and daughter are very close. Their relationship is close. And at one point in the film... Billy is offered the job to be the general manager for the Boston Red Sox. A far more prestigious job and a massive pay raise. Um, Only one problem. Boston is 3,000 miles away from California where his little girl lives. And so as he's trying to make this career decision about what he's going to, to do Billy thinks back to another choice that he made earlier in life. Coming out of high school, he was offered a, a full scholarship to go to Stanford. Uh, but he was also offered a, a, a rookie signing bonus if he would forsake college and go immediately to play baseball for the New York Mets. And uh, and he took the money. And uh, he didn't make it as a player, and he also didn't have an opportunity to attend Stanford. And so all of this is you know, going through his mind as he's making this decision. He goes out to Boston. He interviews with the Red Sox owner, and the interview goes very well. And he comes back to Oakland, and he's sitting across the desk from his, his assistant, Peter Brand. And Peter says, well, how'd it go? How the interview in Boston go? And Billy says, it went great. And Peter says, what they offer to pay you? And Billy takes a sheet of paper out of his pocket and he just slides it across the table and has the figure written on it. And Peter looks at the piece of paper and he says, this would make you the highest paid executive in professional sports. And Billy looks at him and he says, I made one decision in my life. Based on money. And I'll never do it again. And he makes the choice. To forsake material riches. In favor of the riches of a deeper relationship. With his daughter. You know Jesus said. We can gain the whole world. And lose our soul. You know the material blessings really don't mean anything without the, the deeper blessings of life. And Ephesians is about true riches. Paul refers to them as unsearchable riches. And this is what we should seek above all. Proverbs 3 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. And the one who gets understanding for gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Listen, the wisest thing that you can do is to seek to know God through his word. That's why we put such a priority on the Bible at this church and on things like expository preaching and teaching because we get to know Him through His Word and in the power of the Spirit and through His people. If you're here today and you don't have a local church home, you need one. We get to know God, not in isolation, but through His people. But listen, it's these spiritual riches that mean the most. And so that's the second thing that He tells us here. Our blessings are in Christ. Second, they are spiritual. And third, they are in the heavenly places. Again, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You say, well, so does this mean that my blessings are just up there somewhere in heaven? Is that what he's saying? No. The phrase In the heavenly places that Paul uses, and it's one of his favorite words to use in Ephesians especially, it means the world of unseen spiritual reality. Because there's a world that we can see with our naked eye, but then there's a whole other world, no less real, no less real. But it's but spiritual. Now we see one of the greatest illustrations of this in the Old Testament um, in Elisha's servant. One time, the king of Syria was chasing Elijah all around Israel, and he was trying to take his life, and he hears that Elisha is in the city of Dothan. And so the king of Syria takes all of his forces, his troops and his chariots and everything, and they go, and during the night, they completely surround the city of Dothan. So Elisha and his servant walk out in the morning, and they look up, and there all around the city, on the hills around the city, are troops and chariots. And Elisha looks at his servant, and he says, Don't even worry about it, because those who are for us are greater than those who are for them. At that point, I think Elisha's servant must have looked at Elisha like he had lost his mind. Because all he could see was two of them and a whole army of troops and chariots. And what happens? Then Elisha prayed and said, Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Listen, you know, there's this whole other world that surrounds the believer. In Psalm 125 one says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds those who fear him. We are surrounded by the angels of God and, and 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 surrounded by the blessings of God. And one of the themes of Ephesians is that God would open our eyes to see the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. Look at what he says in, in verse 18. He prays that we would have the eyes, you would have the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints notice here he's not praying that we would you know that we would come into these riches they're already ours he's just praying that the eyes of our hearts would be open to see it same thing in chapter 3 as paul again prays for the church that, that they may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of christ "...that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." It's not a matter of needing something more. It's a matter of understanding what we already have in Christ. You ever lost something and you looked for it and you, you, you found out later it was really close by? That happens to me a lot, okay? Okay. Um, Especially it happens if I'm looking for something. I think sometimes men have a mental defect about stuff that's in the refrigerator or the pantry. Okay? Refrigerator blindness. Pantry blindness. You know, uh, why have you ever gotten questions like, hey, where is, where is this? Well, it's on this shelf right here. I already look there. Look again. And there it is. How did, I, how did I miss it? It's like I've got some kind of a mental glitch, you know, that just keeps me from seeing things right in front of me sometimes. The other day I lost my phone. You know, now, you know, not being able to find a box of crackers is one thing, but not being able to find your iPhone, let me tell you, when you're so much of your life, I mean, centers on this little device that can just slip out of your pocket, you know? Well, fortunately now there's an app called Find My Phone that they designed just for people like me. You know, and so you can go on another device, another computer, and just click it and it will tell you where your phone is. And, you know, and it wasn't far away. Well, you know what Christ is not far away. If you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, let me tell you, Christ is not far away. In Romans chapter 10, Paul says, you know, what do we have to do to get to Christ? Do we have to ascend up and try to bring Christ down? No, he's already come down. God became a human being. Do we have to go down to try to bring Christ up? No! He's already come up. He's risen from the dead. No, Paul says He's near you. He's near you. It's in your mouth. Your heart. He says in verses 9 and 10 here, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You know, you don't have to... Go searching uh, high and low for Christ. The Bible says He is not far from you. He's right there on the tip of your tongue. If you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. Call out to Christ today. Believe in your heart today. If you are a Christian, the blessings that are yours in Christ are not far away. You already possess them. It's a matter of you being able to see them so that you can rejoice in them. Are there things in your life that are obscuring the clarity of your vision? That are preventing you from seeing what is already yours in Christ? The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once told a parable about a guy who drove out into the country in his carriage one night. And this is in the 19th century before cars. And so the carriage was lit by lanterns, by torches that were all around the carriage. And these man-made lights, these lanterns were okay. But when he rode out into the country, these man-made lights were obscuring The brilliance of a beautiful nighttime sky. Sometimes that can happen with us. What are the lesser lights in your life that need to be extinguished, that that you need to blow out so that you can look up and you can see the stars? So that you can see Christ and all of His beauty and His brilliance and the blessings that He has for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for blessings that are ours, blessings that we can never lose. And Father, I would pray for anyone here today who is not yet a Christian. Father, I pray that You would speak to their heart and right now that they would turn to You in repentance and in faith, that they would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that You are raised Him from the dead, and that they would be saved. Lord, that they would call to You right now. Father, I pray for believers, Lord, that we would understand the unsearchable riches that are ours in Christ. We pray it in His name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. And if God's speaking to your heart today about becoming a follower of Christ... We want to invite you to come. I'm going to be right here at the front. Come share with me the decision that you're making. We just want to come alongside you and help you to begin in your life with Christ. If you're here today, God's speaking to you about being a part of our church family. As others stand, we want to invite you to slip out and to come. We want to welcome you. There's a need to pray with someone. We invite you to come. Let's stand together as we sing. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you to come to one of our services. We worship at 8:30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.